This episode of After the Whistle contains profanity. Listener discretion advised. Please enjoy. Just play the just play the sound. I don't want to play the sound now. I think I'm going to hold it. <laughs> All right. Episode 111 and is you it 111? 111 cuz yesterday sure? yesterday was 110. You are I'm learning something about you. You are the biggest cry baby sometimes when you don't get your way it it's is not about getting it my is way. absolutely hilarious what what is happening here tell right the now. tell the folks what we're discussing here right now i don't want to tell the folks what we're discussing oh now here. you don't want to tell the folks because <laughs> it's none of their business oh man these are these are the things that we should have a podcast before the podcast. I, I again podcast a podcast about doing the podcast. We started at we started uh, we started the podcast at nine o'clock. It's now ten, and <laughs> uh, you know waiting on Andrew all morning long to uh, click on the Zoom, and now we're arguing about how we start the show. I want to start with uh, with uh, Isaac Rosen, and uh, Petey wants to start on the playoffs. And uh, no, I don't, not true. No, no, that's no. exactly I, what you said. No, what it is 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 we started the show, and then Craig says, "You haven't even you haven't even said the number yet. What number is it?" I'm like, "Who cares what number? Why do I got to say what number it is every show? People know what episode it is. No, they don't. How?" Like, because they fucking clicked on episode 111. Well, maybe I don't, I don't understand this. I don't understand. Like, okay, so I'm I'm new to this, right? So I'm coming off uh, live radio for how many, however many years. And I, you know, so like there's structure to that that is different than podcast that has its own structure too, which I don't even know if we follow that, by the way. But anyway, so... You know, everyone's like, uh, or you're like, you know, every every single podcast is, oh, you're welcome into episode, blah, blah, blah. And we've done, I'm guilty of it too, 110 fucking times. And I sit here and one time I miss it. And I've missed it other times too, a few. And you're all over me about it. And I'm like, who gives a shit? Like if I say episode 111. And then I said to Craig, I said, honest question. He goes, are we recording or are we not recording this? <laughs> and because I said, half the time. Half the time I come on, I click on Zoom. All of a sudden, I don't even know if if I'm, uh, you know, hey, uh, you know, are we doing the, are we doing it right now or do are, is, oh you yeah. <laughs> I've been I've been uh, uh, videoing you for uh, the last twenty minutes. I'm like, you got to be kidding me right now. He's like, don't worry, I'll edit it out. Well, yeah, because the best stuff comes. You just from- love how I just you know it's. I like organic. Okay. I, I, so so I, I, I'm a critic. I'm a critic of other shows. I'm a critic of analysts. I'm a critic of, I'm a critic. I'm, I'm critical. Okay. When it comes to this stuff, when it comes to, you know, what you hear, what people say and how they say it. And I, Craig, there are so many, there are so many cookie cutter uh, shows and and people out there that just feel like they go the safe route. Let's go with the safe route so that there's no one it's messes nothing up. Nothing to do with safe. It has to do with it. It's like going out for warm up in an NHL game. You warm yourself up before you play the game. No, it, no, it's not. It's like you should be ready. Like this is what I don't understand. Okay, you know what we're going to talk about. Like it, that's the thing. Like, if I'm coming over, if I'm going over to somebody's house, I'm not going to say your house. Let's just say somebody else's. And it's like, hey, stop over for a beer. Stop over for a water. It's like, okay, text me what we're going to talk about. So I'm ready to know what we're going to talk about. Because it's called preparation, (laughs) which you have no idea. But you're not going to do that if you're just having a conversation, a random conversation with with just a buddy, which is all we're trying to do here and mix in a little hockey talk. You think I'm worried about the couple dick bags that are sitting there listening to me give my opinion? No, we have thousands and thousands and thousands of people that listen to this podcast and they want to make sure that you know, listen, okay. Uh, you know, you screw up every freaking name in the NHL. Yeah, I, I get it. 
but statistics wise and understanding and having knowledge about a situation, I like to do research. I like to, and that's just me. I like to be organized. You let's fly off the handle and say stupid shit. No, it's because uh, try- I'm already prepared. Like if you're not, you're prepared, not prepared. Oh yeah. What do you want to talk about? How many Throw points any- did Isaac Rosen have last year? Give a Why'd shit about how many points. Oh, there you go. Why do I? Why? Why was what like since why? since when? Okay, tell me what year because it certainly wasn't back when I was playing and and coming up or or Thomas Vanek and all these other guys. People knew like fringe information about the prospects. Now everybody thinks fourth rounders and fifth rounders are supposed to be in the lineup. Like when did everybody start caring so much about hockey prospects? Like, come on. You want to know why? You, you want to know? Do you want? Do you want to know why? No, no, no. Do you want to know why I don't care about Isaac Rosen's stats last year? Do you want to know why? Why is that? Because he's not going to play in the NHL next year. He, you, you know, you, and, you're sure about that? What do you know no, about? Him? No, no, I'm not. I'm not sure about that. Why but I, did they? I would, why did they? Here's my question for you. Why did they sign Isaac Rosen, who is the 2021? First round draft pick. He's in the same year as Owen Power. He was drafted 14th overall. Played last year in in Sweden. Why did they sign him? What was the rush to sign Isaac Rosen? Here's why. He's a what is he a right winger? I don't know. Well, you tell me what position. No, what position? Is, what does he play? Is he a centerman? Fuck, I don't know. What is he? Oh, I know he's a first know. rounder. He's the Philadelphia pick they got from uh, Risto, and he's so a. Basically, he's a, there's my whole point. He's a forward. You have, you have well, no fucking and, idea. That's why we. Am I, do so I need? Do I need to have an idea? Like, am I like mandated to We're have doing an a idea? Hockey podcast. We're doing a freaking hockey podcast. You might want to kick your head out of your ass and do some research. Is listen. I'm not worried about Isaac Rosen today. He he signed a contract yesterday. Well, he should that, be. That's great. That's so my whole point. Do me a favor. Let me let me fill in the blanks. You asked me why they signed him. Okay. Tell me what position he plays. Is he a right winger or is he a centerman? He's a left-handed shot. Okay. What does that mean? That what does that mean? These kids can play left, right, and and center. That's what that's what you know. Well, no, if he's a centerman, he'd be a centerman. Is he a is he a left-handed winger? Is that what you're gonna tell me? Well, listen, I mean, in junior hockey, you had, you had uh, Jack Quinn play, play right wing. Well, Thomas Vanek played left wing. I mean, exactly. That's my whole point is these players nowadays have the ability to play all three positions on the forward line. Okay. So then to answer your question, to answer your question, they signed him because he's eligible to play in the American league. I don't even know his stats, but he's a first round pick. Odds are he's pretty good. I know he's very skilled because that was the scouting report on him when they drafted him. Mm-hmm. So my guess is they signed him to bring him here. I know that he, um, uh, sorry, they signed him to bring him here to replace Quinn or Paterka when those two guys come up because they're going to need bodies in Rochester. Yeah. And they're going to want to develop players. So simple as that. Like Rochester had a good so, run this year. They're not going to want to look right? to break up. They're not going to want to look to break up that that team, and they're going to take two or three key pieces off that four key pieces off that roster: yep. Samuelson, Krebs, Paterka, and uh, Quinn. So you're going to need to reload it with some talent. And Isaac yep. Rosen, sounding off what you said, sounds like he had a pretty good year this year in Lexington. Well, this is this is a great question, and I I appreciate you asking me. I didn't ask you really. I was. Well, you didn't to, ask me. You didn't. No. Ask, what's the question you're asking me? I just said it. I I, I gave this? you an assumption. I, I said he, it sounds like he had a good year based off you know the fact that number one they signed him and two you're like how many you know how many points you had this year and I'm like no and like well you should. So therefore, well, listen, I'm sitting there thinking you had a listen, pretty good year. This is the whole point why we're arguing this morning is because you want to fly off the handle and basically just ad lib on everything and not know any statistics. Here's the thing. My question to you is, why did they sign this guy? What was the reason? Just told you why. Well, here's my, here's my thing. I asked you the question. You, you gave me the answer. He played in the Division I in Sweden this year. In 28 games he played, because they only play 40 over there. 
In 28 games, he had two goals and four points. <laughs> well, there you go. So do you and understand? I, hey, do you understand why I'm asking the question of why are they signing this guy now? What is the rush to sign Isaac Rosen now? And 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 I didn't have the answer because I did a little research to look up this kid. And I'm only looking at very face value stuff. I look on, on the internet and look at his statistics. And I go back a, a year or two where, you know, statistics are, are good. They're not great. They're not like, they're not eye-blowing. So I don't know the player, okay? I don't know the player, but I know someone who does. And I made a phone call to Chris Baker this morning. So Bakes, as you know, the guy is absolutely insane when it comes to the, the Sabres prospects. He watches multiple, multiple, multiple games throughout the year, and he sends clips through his, his Twitter. And the get- Twitter handle for those who are listening and don't know, at Sabres prospects, Chris Baker, K-R-I-S. Blue check mark. Go check him out. Honestly, I known him for years say it again what's his uh, guy could be a scout how hard is it to remember i i wasn't paying attention to you that's well (laughs) well you said he covers sabers prospects it's at sabers prospects so thank you why why so testy this morning i I, I guess (laughs) you know why i'm testy i i'm i'm so i'm so sick of your shit that in i've learned so much about you in the last seven and a half months more than i did in the last five years doing the other show. I've learned a lot about you. You love me. There is no doubt about it. But listen, I am going to, I sent this uh, to Chris Baker this morning because I just wanted to kind of, he would know more about Isaac Rosen than, uh, than anybody that I know um, besides Kevin Adams and maybe those guys. But uh, Here's what he had to say about Isaac Rosen and I his. bet no disrespect to Kevin. He's got a big job. I bet you Chris Baker's seen Isaac Rosen play more than Kevin Adams has this year. Thousand percent. So I mean thousand percent. And that's why and there's GMs nothing. that's why GMs rely on their scouts. And yeah. that and that is why I'll say this, and I, I am biased, but I, like I said, I've known Chris for a long, long time. There's no reason why he shouldn't be a scout in the Sabres organization. I'm not even just saying that. Well, you know, listen, I mean, he's been doing this uh, Sabres prospect stuff for a long time. I know that he watches an ungodly amount of video of all these players in Europe and sends out uh, sends out tweets all the time about their development moving forward. It's pretty fantastic. So that's why I reached out to him this morning. He's on the golf course right now. He's huffing and puffing a little bit. He's got a great shirt on, too, by the way. But uh, this is what he had to say about the signing. Could we be of- saying he's on the golf course? Is he allowed to be on the golf uh, course today? Yeah, I might have to edit that out. But Fire, <laughs> fire him a text and ask yeah, him. Yeah, he's <laughs> working right now. So he's working. Here's what he had to say. Rosine, because he's a first rounder in the transfer agreement, he can actually play in the AHL if they wanted him to. However, uh, and that's before the age of 24. Okay, so they changed it this year. The transfer agreement with Sweden, if you're a second rounder or later, you can't be assigned directly to the AHL until you're like 24 or something like that. Now, he's young, and I think they wanted to just get it done, get the business done, uh, get him assigning bonus money, but also give him an opportunity to make the camp. Now, he has a European assignment clause in his contract, so he's got one year left with Lexand. On his deal. He signed a two-year deal two years ago. He's got one year left. It's kind of like what Rootsalina did his first year. So if he doesn't make the NHL, he's likely going to go back to Sweden for one year. And then he'll probably be in the AHL next year. So I think that's kind of what they were. They were letting him know, hey, you're in the program. They wanted to tie up the business. But it also gives him an opportunity to be more involved with his development this year. So I think what's going to happen is he'll probably go and really do well at the World Juniors coming up, come to camp because he's under contract, take a run, maybe, of playing in a preseason game, but in all likelihood when push comes to shove, instead of going to the AHL, he's probably going to go back to Sweden this year. And then I think in the second year, 
you will be uh, in the in the AHL or NHL. It's kind of like what they did. Think about it. Allmark, they signed him and then loaned him back to Moto in 20, whatever it was, 13 or 14 or whatever. Joel Armia, when they signed him, he went back to Assad and played a year in Finland on loan. It's kind of the same thing here. Genius. Genius. You know what, you know what I get from that whole thing right there? Uh, I can't wait to hear what you have to say because I took one thing from what he said in that whole. I took one thing from that whole soundbite. What 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 did you take out of it? Sounds like he's dealing with a pretty good crosswind there. <laughs> <laughs> You're an idiot. What'd you so take from back, it? that? He's going back to Sweden. Okay. Um. Yes, I, I do believe that uh, that he is going like he just turned 19. So next year he's going to be playing um, as a 19 year old. I do not believe it's going to be in the minors. I think it's he's better off being in a very familiar environment and continuing to develop does not have to develop in the minors. I think it's better for him because of his age to continue to develop over in Sweden. What I took from it. It's the reason why the Sabres signed him is Chris Baker spoke about the Sabres have, now that they have him signed, they have the opportunity to um, be involved with his development. And I think that that is a big, big factor. When you have young players, you want to have hands-on. You want to be able to have a voice in what they're doing. Okay. And I think that this is, this is something, uh, you know, you're, you're able to sign this young man, bring him over to training camp, allow him to be involved and see what an NHL training camp is all about. He's going to go to the rookie camps. He's going to get familiar with the organization, the people here, the training staff, the coaches, the coaches in the minors. And now maybe in a year, a full calendar year from now, he's going to be looking at maybe being called to come and play in the minors in the playoffs next year, right? In one full calendar year. But it allows Isaac Rosen as a very young prospect, a very young guy who has a lot of, a lot of great things about him where the Sabres get to have a finger on his development now. And I think that's really, really important. Okay, so just circling back to one thing here, he 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 won't play in the in the Sabers next year. You don't think? I, that's what I said. I, th- I what I said. Think he has like a zero percent. Okay, chance and that's of what I said. And I said that because that's how I that's how I thought. But I mean, and I'll tell I'll tell you this too. I learned something today. Like, I feel like I could take all that knowledge you just gave me and go and regurgitate it on a completely different show and sound like it's my own research and knowledge. And that's why people listen to learn something. So it's okay that I didn't know because you know what sucks sometimes is when everybody at the table has all the same information, the conversation isn't as, as fun. You know what I mean? Like I learned, I learned something there. Is that it for Sabres talk with you, Craig? Yeah, I mean, that's good. Yeah, okay. I think uh, you know it's nice. Uh, it's nice that the Sabres are continuing to build an insane prospect pool. Not only are we seeing the guys that are in in our lineup right now, the middle stats, and um, you know the the Yoki Haru, the Dalines. I know people are like, wow, oh, they're twenty two years old. Yep, but they have developed into some really good hockey players. Samuelson, they did it right with him. Um, there's a lot of great uh, l- great things moving forward, and, and there's, there's that next group of players that we're going to see very soon that are going to be very exciting to be in the Sabres lineup in the, the Paterkas and the Jack Quinns. But then you have that next tier of, of player that hopefully we will see the the Devin Levi's, the maybe even an Eric Partillos or and, and the Ryan Johnsons and an Isaac Rosen, who we will probably see in that the you know the third tier. Not there's not that they're not good players. They're just really young. 
They're really young. Well, the wave. And, it's almost the next the wave the wave, the wave of players. That you and you know continue. what the wave you know what wave comes after that? After those guys are established? The three first round picks from this year, if they yeah. make them all. Or, you know, I think they should make two of them, trade one, but that's whatever. You're gonna make a pick this year. You're gonna have another pick going in, uh going through and and I think I'm pretty sure they have I haven't seen their what do they have, three second round picks or two second round picks this year or something like that? But anyway, um, so there's another another yes. wave of of prospects coming through. Last night, you game know, it's one. an exciting uh, one. Last thing about yeah, go for this it. year's draft is, you know, my my oldest son basically played, you know, the highest end uh, AAA hockey, um, and uh, he played against a lot of these guys that are being drafted this year. In the first round, yeah. So a lot of these guys. I know that my son played against throughout the years and it's, it's, it's exciting to kind of see, you know, where these guys are, are, are fitting in and where, you know, because I know a lot of them where we should be picking some of them. Can I ask you a question now that yeah. we're on it? Cause you talked about that Russian kid who is now he is sick. Ivan, is, he's Ivan Miroshenko. Yeah. Does he have cancer? I, so he has um, the same cancer. He was he was diagnosed at Christmas time, and a, a few months before that, you know there was there was con- there was some concern with his play. Okay, because Ivan Miroshenko has been one of the very best players in the world at the age group for a very long time, and there was a couple months there where his play was really starting to dip, and. Um, you know, it came out at Christmas time that he had some testing done because he just was exhausted and wasn't feeling well. He well. was he was left off the world junior team. If he you was recall. left off the world junior team, which is absolutely mind boggling. But now we know why, right? right we know right. why now. But he was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which uh, is the same cancer that Mario Lemieux had, yep. a treatable cancer. Okay, but is going to take. It's going to take time. It's the same cancer that Sakakoivu had also, um, but it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time for him to get the treatment that he needs. It's going to take time for him to build his um, body back up. Um, but I do believe that, uh, that, you know, from what I have read and believe me, I'm certainly not a doctor and I'm not, I don't know what's going on in his medical situation, but um he he was he was a player, you know, a couple of years ago where he was he was considered a top three pick in the National Hockey League. He was considered a guy a few years ago that would be in the same breath as a Shane Wright. Now he's fallen off a little bit because of his medical situation, but I mean he's still ranked extremely high. Like I think he's ranked like twelfth or thirteenth overall in the NHL draft. So it's going to be very interesting. What team out there is going to make a pick with on a, on a player that the has Buffalo this Sabres team? with the twenty eighth pick? No, I would take him sixteenth. You would, eh? Oh my God, yes, hundred thousand percent. We have three first round draft picks. If this kid is available at sixteen, you should be taking him because he is not a sixteenth overall pick. He's a top five pick. You are going to get a top five pick, and I know why he. I know why he's fallen. If I don't think he'll reach sixteen, there's going to be a team that probably takes Ivan Miroshenko uh, before the Sabers' sixteenth pick because that's how good he is. If you have the ability to take a step back, okay, and allow this player to have time to continue to um, get healthy, then. He is an absolute no. If he is available at 16, it's an absolute no brainer, no brainer because you're, you're going to get a top five pick of the, of the NHL draft and, and higher and higher. That's how good this kid is. So I don't want to, I don't want to be insensitive here, but I mean, I guess teams would want to be privy to his treatments and recovery and his status. If I'm right. I mean, I, Hard to believe that in sports, you know, you look, I don't even want to go down that path, but just the fact, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, teams are going to want to know where he's at. I would imagine. Wouldn't, wouldn't you think, or 
wouldn't you think? It's a sensitive subject because it's cancer, right? So it's like, I mean, we're not talking about an attitude problem. We're not talking about a, a, a hamstring pull. We're talking about cancer. So, I, I mean. Yes, but we're also, again, we're talking about a treatable cancer. And I don't know the medical status of this of this young man, and and I hope I hope, and you know I I I think about him because I my son trained with him you know a couple years ago, and when my son was training with him, it was he was at an ungodly level for his age, like it was it was mind boggling, the type of weights that he was lifting as a player that was, I think at the time, I think when he was over here, he was, he was 15 years old and he was lifting like he was 22. It was, it was crazy. Um, that being said, it's going to be really interesting. There's a lot of other players too. There's a lot of other players that are going to fall to that 16 area that I I've played against. I know them. They've been elite players at the the youth level, and it's just going to be interesting to see where all these guys fit into the draft. It's going to be really exciting. So on March 3rd, Russia Hockey tweeted forward Ivan Merichenko has been diagnosed with serious health problems at the moment. He is receiving medical treatment in Germany and might miss the entirety of next season. So interesting. Interesting. And that um, was when? What was the date on that? March 3rd. 2022? Uh, yes. That's the, the latest March 3rd. Oh, well, I thought it was 2021. No, this was March 3rd, 2022. Okay. That that was... That that was... I, I, I'm pretty sure that he was diagnosed... Um, in in december okay so they're probably dealing with all the the stuff that needs to be dealt with and uh listen i i I just only i only hope because we're talking we're talking world class here we're talking world class hockey player and uh you know first and foremost is worrying about that young man and 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 hopefully he can get healthy that's for me it's i i could give a rat's ass about hockey but uh he was a blessed talent. There's no question, and hopefully, um, hopefully he can uh, he can get himself uh, healthy and and you know cross our fingers that we'll be able to see him play because he's he's something special. All right, um, yeah, I, I I'm with you. If the if the saber if he's there, take him. I mean, like if you if you're confident in his recovery and everything like that. That's why I mentioned it. So, you know, you have yeah. three first round picks. Yeah. Throw a dart. You know what I mean? Like it it's it's a there's got to be a lot of research into what's happening with them. You're going to have you're going to have teams from anywhere from probably around 8 to I would say 25 that are going to do a tremendous amount of research on him. Tremendous amount of research. And if he, if there's a lot of positive things coming out of what they're saying that he's going to, he's going to go, he will not be available at 16. There's no way. That would speak. We're that talking would, the top, 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 If top this pick. kid gets drafted in the top 15 of the draft, after that diagnosis, that just speaks to his, his potential and oh you know, he's, what he's we're, done. We're talking, we're talking a, we're talking an elite talent an elite talent it'll be interesting to see how 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 the teams view uh russian players going into the draft this year you know with uh with everything going on but that's a that's a completely different conversation uh conversation i i I thought we'd be getting to a few minutes ago but that uh, that was a much better one i'll be honest with you is uh game one last night edmonton colorado um what was your first reaction when you saw the the offside called I mean, are you confused by this or is this something uh, that I'm not, would make clear? Listen, I mean, it's very clear. Like when I saw the, when I saw the initial call and right away, I was like, you know, that's a, 
100% it's offside. Let's just wait for it. You know, let's, and, and then all of a sudden, when that referee comes over and he says that's a good goal, I was, I, I, I think was I'm, about to blow up. Okay. And I'm sure everybody on the planet did the same thing. And then what you do is, for me, it was so ridiculously offside. Now, it, it didn't make sense. So you had to figure out, let's just wait for a second. Then all of a sudden the experts, Elliot Freeman, you know, you go to his Twitter handle and he starts to explain why the call was made. Okay. Why it was, uh, it was, it was allowed a goal. And understand that Kale McCarr pushed the puck into the offensive zone and did not touch the puck until I think it was uh, it was the big Rushki, Nikushkin, Nick Natushkin, Natushkis. He he waited until Natushkin got onside, which is over the other side of the blue line. Then Kale McCarr touched the puck, so I understand it. But for me, when I look at this, this is this is an offside call in every level of hockey okay i don't care if he didn't touch the puck the puck is over the blue line and the other player is not not out yet i don't care if he touched the puck i don't like the rule at all i can live with it i understand why it's like that i do not like the rule i do not like it it's a terrible goal and um that's just my, my opinion there could be other people that say listen you you read the rules it's almost like a tag up offside. Okay. Kale McCarr didn't touch the puck. He waited for Natushkin to come out. Then he touched puck. Unbelievable presence of mind by him. I mean, I don't know if it was intentional. You actually think you actually think that he had that in his mind? I don't know. No way. Can you say that he can't that he didn't? I mean, look at the player that he is. I, I mean, care. if that's me, you're saying I don't care. No way there's, not a, there's not a player in the league that understands that rule, that knows that rule. No, but there's a player in the league that knows that any player in the in the world would have known that Nakushkin would have been offside if he touched that puck. I mean, he needs average peripheral vision to be able to see that with where his head was, where Nakushkin was. So the presence of my—that's what I mean. Did he mean? Did he mean to not touch the puck? I, wouldn't surprise me if he didn't mean to, if he did, wouldn't surprise me if he did that intentionally is what I'm trying to say. It's Kale McCarr. Okay. I mean, it's Kale McCarr. So I don't know, but it's, I think you're, that has to be the closest offside. That has to be the closest offside that I think I've ever seen. Well, again, it's it's completely offside in every single league in the world, except for the NHL, because they have video replay and they can go back and they have spotters in Toronto and they're they know the rules. But this is this is offside. When the puck goes over the offensive zone and the a player on your team is still in the offense offensive zone. That is an offside in every single until his in the blades world. touch the blue line, and then he's he. It's like it's it's he's cleared the zone. That's what they're saying. I understand that, but the puck is over the offense. I just zone don't think we can still- appreciate how close it is, how uncomfortably close it is, and and, and yeah. the magnitude of the game. Like that's a that's a mega goal. That's a big goal. Any goal right now is a big goal, but I mean, that's that's a massive goal, and it's Kale McCarr. You know, it's like it, I, I don't know what to make of it. I understand it when the when you know I saw Elliot's explanation live on TV. I was up in Canada and I was watching the game, and I, you know, and I I sent him a message. I said, "Unbelievable uh, breakdown of of why that goal was called a goal," because I was in. I wouldn't say I was in shock, but I mean, I was shocked to, to see the ref say, call on the ice stands. We have a good goal. I was, I was like, what are they looking? What are they seeing that we're not seeing? And then they go and they, they show it and, and it, and it all makes sense. I don't like it either. I don't like it either. 
but it makes sense, and clearly that's why they have video replay. Uh, did you see Kadri when McDavid got a piece of him uh, near the goal? He took Mike Smith's helmet off. He's a predator, um, man. I don't okay. know if he's – did you see that play or no? I did, but uh, remind – oh, yes, okay. By Mike the, side, Smith, of the yep. side of the net. So what did he do? Cross-check him or something? No, no, no. He just – no, McDavid just kind of leaned on him, and Kadri forced his body weight toward the goalie. So you think that you think that Kadri did that on purpose? Yesterday, yes. Did you watch it multiple times? Did you watch it over and over and over? I rewound it a couple times, and it, it's like, you know, he could have gone behind the net, and instead he opted to go toward the post. And it, it's, it's, it's as blatant as can be. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was an interesting, interesting, uh, you know, tidbit from last night's game because of, you know, his history with Bennington, who we'll talk about the water bottle toss in a, in a few minutes. But what a game, though. You know what irritated me about this game? It just it's so irritating. And uh, there's a couple things I, I took out of it. Number one. Edmonton Oilers in three different occasions in yesterday's game allowed the Vancouver uh, or the uh, Colorado Avalanche to score right after they just scored. Like these are things that you learn. Okay. They're, they're just things that you learn as a player, especially in the playoffs. You need to be on your game. You've got to, you got a raging tiger in, in Colorado Avalanche that has a ton of scoring. You need to be able to defend. You have, so, did you listen to, to, to Wayne Gretzky? TNT? Yes. Yes. The greatest player in the world. He called himself that, by the way. The greatest player in the world has more points than any player to ever play the game. Is talking about defense. He's talking about these guys need to defend. I'm going to tell you why. Evander Kane scores the first goal of the game at five minutes and four seconds of the game. JT Comfer scores 36 seconds later to tie it 1-1. That is not acceptable. But then all of a sudden, Zach Hyman ties the game at 19 minutes and 37 seconds. Oh, it takes the lead. Doesn't he take the? He does not take the lead. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Sorry. Ties the game at 2 2. This is the period's almost done. The period is almost done. Tied 2 2. Kale McCarr scores with nine seconds later. Kale McCarr scores nine seconds later. So now that's two goals that the Edmonton Oilers have given up. 36 seconds and nine seconds after they scored. Okay, now it's 3-2. Then you have Ryan McLeod, okay? Scored at three minutes of the second period. A minute and 39 seconds later, Mika Rantanen scores. I know that you guys can score goals. I know Edmonton can score goals. They have so much firepower. Like, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, Zach Hyman, uh, Nugent Hopkins, Evander Kane, they have scoring power, but oh my good Lord, they have to learn how to defend. It is just not good. You will not, you are not going to win a match, a scoring match up against Colorado. You are not going to do it because when you watch Nate McKinnon, he is, he is captivating. Do you, do you agree? He's insane. Everybody talks about Connor McDavid. Everybody talks about Connor McDavid, how fast he is and what he does. But did you see McKinnon when he cut in on his backhand last night and slid that park five hole, yes. how fast he was crossing over and how but much power you, he had? Number no, no, no. One, did, hear did what I'm saying. Did you see him read? See him read the play to cut across the ice. Yes. Great full, pass, full by speed. the way. Great pass. But how about the, the acceleration and the crossing over speed and the freaking power that he generates? Cuts, 
cuts in behind was it nurse yeah yeah cuts in behind darnell nurse and slides at five hole uh, i mean unbelievable and i love what you're saying like he gets he gets mcdavid gets all the accolades all of them and you, like how are you ignoring mckinnon it's no one's ignoring mckinnon but it's like everyone just just thinks he doesn't get the same love because of the love that mcdavid gets i mean it he's ridiculous and i said in our group chat last week too i was like he's a crosby a right-handed crosby replica and Vanek wrote back completely different players, in my opinion, but both electric. Sidney Crosby was more methodical. He was more of a below the goal line. Um, his puck protection is Sidney Crosby's puck protection has to be one of the best in the National Hockey League. And with someone draped over his back, can make a forehand sauce or a backhand sauce 25 feet across the ice onto someone's tape. That's Crosby's game. He is he is a fire hydrant, and you're it's like trying to push over a fire hydrant. It's it's impossible. Nate McKinnon, his explosive speed through 10 feet has to be has to be probably one of the best in the national hockey league besides Connor McDavid. And maybe if, you know, a few others that were, were leaving out here, but I just watched how Nate McKinnon has his head up the entire time. He is a, he's a threat to shoot from anywhere on the ice, but his ability to make plays and his speed in which he does is a nightmare for these Edmonton defensemen. And they're, they're struggling right now dealing with the speed in which Colorado throws at them in waves. But is Edmonton in trouble in this series? I listen, I mean, Connor McDavid had three points last night. He had a goal and and two assists. Okay. He played 24 minutes of hockey. I would say that Edmonton is, is in trouble. Now Edmonton, does have the ability to play with Colorado, but they cannot play, uh, you know, a horse race game. There, it is not. It is. It's not going to be beneficial for Edmonton to go goal for goal. The guy, like, listen. I mean, if you're not playing with McDavid, then you have you know a tougher time, a tougher opportunity to score goals. Those lines need to defend. Tell you, man, they what, have to defend. What was the? What were they down? Were they down four at one point? Was Edmonton down four goals? I know they were down three. I thought they were coming back. I thought, I thought well, they, I thought they were coming back. Is there a concern that uh, that um, it was seven three at one point? Is it? Is there a concern that Kemper didn't finish the game? Uh, I don't know. I thought Frank uh looked pretty good. He let in like four goals, but he made some big saves. But, but he made he made, he made he, yeah. But is Darcy Kemper like wasn't Colorado's uh, question mark in net anyway? Like Darcy Kemper, like um, the other. It's not like Edmonton's looking any better. I mean, you got Frank Coos, you got Koskinen, you got Frank Coos, or you got Mike Smith. I mean, like goaltending is goaltending is not the feature in this series. That's in the one tonight. Goaltending is going to be there on, on display tonight in this series. Get ready for for like the 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 the, the floodgates to get blown open with the goaltending. I think games are going to be high scoring. Every game, and I can't tell you if it's going to be a sweep or seven-game series, but all I can tell you is I think there's going to be a lot of goals. Be interesting to see what the line is on the next game. I think there's so much power. I think there's so much scoring power on both teams. Connor McDavid, you will not be able to stop. You can try and limit him in how you play against him, but you will not stop Connor McDavid. I remember playing against elite players back when I played, and the going you are not stopping these guys you will never you know eliminate elite players from scoring points 
but you can limit them in their opportunities to put points on the board. And, you know, this team is very clearly run by two guys, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, 29 and 28 points. They are on a different level. Evander Kane is scoring goals. Um, and he's, he's had a, he's had a hell of a, a, of a playoff. There's, there's, it's undeniable 13 goals. He's got 13 goals, but six away from tying the record. Yeah. A large amount of those goals are coming from, um, you know, the sticks and plays of Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl. So let's take that away from him. Uh, moving on. Moving on. Um, talked about the goaltending being on display tonight. You got two teams in completely different scenarios. One coming off a sweep, one coming off a game seven. Who has the advantage? I like the Rangers. I like the Rangers because, uh, you know, they're, they're, um, I don't think the Carolina series was a physical, physically demanding series. Okay. Sometimes when you play games um, and you go to game seven and, you, you know, your, your players can get really beat up, really worn down. I don't think that the Carolina Hurricanes series was a physically demanding on the bodies of the Rangers. You know, the Rangers run four lines, okay? They're 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 de- they're deep in their their depth on the forward line. For the most part, they they have their top four defensemen um with Fox, Lindgren, um Truba and uh Keandre Miller, but you're still getting you're still getting solid uh, solid uh um, output by um, Braun and uh, Schneider, who is uh, no one really knows who Schneider is, but he's a 20 year old defenseman that came in halfway throughout the season. And he's a first round draft pick. He's a first round draft pick by the, by the Rangers. And he made the team halfway through the year and he's, he's uh, stuck with them. He's, he's a big, strong, physical kid. He's kind of like a, uh, you know, a poor man's uh, Truba right now with how physical he is. He's a big kid. So they're, I mean, the Rangers, I think, are just built for the playoffs. They have elite high-end talent on the forward line with Panarin and Chris Kreider and Zibanejad, but they have others below those players that just play a very strong uh, brand of hockey that, that, that young rookie line. They're not, they're not rookies, but Kapokaku, Lafreniere, and uh, Heathel, I mean, that's a tough line to play against right now. They're a very, very tough line to play against. So, Mr. Deadline acquisition there, Andrew Kopp. He's unbelievable. This is going to be a great series because now, like you said, you have, the, you have two of the best goaltenders right now in the world in Vasilevsky and Shesterkin. Well done. And uh, you have two monster teams that have all of the scoring power. They have, they have the rough and tumble physicality on the forward line. You know, they're going to be a really heavy, hard, tough team to play against. You have you have the fourth line for the Tampa Bay Lightning who are an extremely tough t- uh, line to play against, okay? You know, a very physically dominant player in in 99% of the teams he play against, guy um um Patrick Maroon is he scares the bejesus out of people. He's the guy that can do anything that he wants on the ice physically because there's not too many guys in the league that can stand up to him. Not only is he a really super tough young man, but he's also a guy that uh, can play the game. He's he's producing points. He is a guy that has a really solid st- skill set for a fourth line uh, tough guy. The problem is, He's going to be running in to the toughest guy in the National Hockey League, and that's Ryan Reeves. So Patrick Maroon is not going to be able to verbally and mentally abuse the players on the Rangers because if he does, he's going to be meeting Ryan Reeves, and he's going to be called to the plate, and you're going to have to step up to the plate. 
So it's going to be a really interesting dynamic when we watch uh, that moving into playoffs. And it's a minor thing. It's not like it's about goals and assists and this and that. But Patrick Maroon has done a lot of great things over the years for the Tampa Bay Lightning. He makes his teammates feel very secure. And he can play the game. Like he is a hell of a hockey player for a tough guy. But he's going to be meeting one of the toughest guys in the National Hockey League on the on the other side, Ryan Reeves. I hope they fight. I don't like fighting, you know that, but I hope they fight. By the way, uh Rangers three and zero this year in the season, uh the season series. They played three times, three and zero. One of them went to a shootout. I all I know is they're three and zero. But uh Wow. Yeah. Rangers are are well. I was gonna. I was just about to say the Rangers are sneaky good. They're not sneaky good. Rangers have been very very strong all year long. They have a, they have some young talent. Remember, I said to you even before the playoffs, I said the Rangers are a very good team now. But in one calendar year from now, they're going to be way better because guys like Kapokaku who has not hit his stride yet in the NHL. Guys like Lafreniere has not quite hit his, his stride in the NHL. Guys on defense, Lin, Ryan Lindgren, a guy like Keandre Miller, um, even Adam Fox. These are very young hockey players. Like Adam Fox is playing at a level that is just, I mean, he's world-class and he's not young. He's 24 years old or, just turned 24 anyway. Um, they are a young hockey team that has a lot of continued mental and physical development in their games. And they're going to be, they're going to, and they're going to be great for, for years to come because they're built. They're built to compete in every way, whether it's defensively, the Rangers this year were the number two best defensive team in the national hockey league. Did you know that? I just found that out. They were the number two best team. Carolina was number one. You know, the Rangers can score goals, but the Rangers goal scoring output will elevate next year because guys, those young guys, Heatle, Lafreniere, Kapokaku, they're going to continue to elevate their game and they're going to take this team to another level next year. Wow. You know, I have a question before we go. Sure. Um, my son uh, asked me this the other day or actually yesterday. And uh, he said, you know, what, uh, what team do you want to win the Stanley Cup? And I kind of had a hard time answering it. I usually, I usually want to cheer for, a, for an organization that has not won the Stanley Cup in, in, in quite some time. You know, the Rangers won in, in what, what was it, 2000 or, or 94? Yeah. Okay, so the Rangers won in 94, and the Avalanche won. When did they win? Yes, 2001. Ray Bork, 2001. Oh, wow. Good for, good for me. Um, so, 2000, so 2001, the Rangers in 1994. Um, the Tampa Bay Lightning, we've, we all know what they've done with the back-to-back Stanley Cup. And then you have the, the, the Oilers that have won like a gazillion Stanley Cups. And it's like, it's almost like five. I, that's it. That's, yeah, they won five. Okay. So if I were to ask you, if you had a choice of, of an organization, who would you? Edmonton. Edmonton, and I'll tell you why. Not excluding Leon Dreisaitl because he has done something special, but I cannot imagine the weight of the world that Connor McDavid has had on his shoulders since the day he was born, but later than that. But you know what I mean, just being dramatic. And um, and I think I I think he needs to win. I I do. And I wouldn't have said that four months ago. I wouldn't have cared. I would have been so happy to watch his agony in Edmonton. But now that he's this far and he's completely, they have completely turned this organization around in the last four months, five months. Okay. And it's not just a Vander Kane, but coaching change and attitude change there. But the point is, is that 
I want to see McDavid win. I think that would be amazing for him. He deserves it. I think he got a raw deal. I don't think he wanted to go to Edmonton. I don't think Edmonton deserved to win the lottery. They had had enough first round, first overall picks. So that being said, I want to see McDavid win. Sorry for the long-winded answer, but you've you've hogged a lot of the mic today. So I um I think I'm gonna agree with you. Well, that's no fun. I think that- I'm going to agree with you because I you know, for me, it's, I, I go back to, you know, I, I could care less out of these organizations. Uh, I don't have any tie to them. At, at some point in time, I hated them all. Um, for me, when I grew up in, in, the, in the, you know, was growing up in the 80s, I was, and, the Stan, and, the, and they were winning the Stanley Cups. I was a fan of the Oilers. I was a fan of the Oilers because, you know, every kid wants to, why, why do you think kids like 10 years ago or, or years ago, every Canadian for kid, Pittsburgh, every right? Canadian kid born 1970 and later was Wayne Gretzky in their driveway at some point. Exactly. And now you have these kids that, you know, you have Sidney Crosby is winning all these Stanley cups, three Stanley cups, and everybody wants to be a Pittsburgh penguin. Okay. I love, love Pittsburgh. They've been my team. Bullshit. What are you talking about? <laughs> Now, then all of a sudden, before that, it was like, you know, Chicago Blackhawks. I love Chicago. I've loved Chicago since I was a kid. I'm like, well, you're only you're only 12. You know what I'm saying? Like. It's about the bandwagon. okay? and I understand how it all works. I loved Edmonton Oilers because they were winners. And Wayne Gretzky was uh, and and the team back then was fun to to watch. For me, the only the only thing I'm going to say is I agree with you 1000%. The amount of pressure that Connor McDavid has on himself from a very, very, very young age, I, I would love to see him win. I have not heard a bad thing about Connor McDavid in this game, and my ears have been open for many, 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 many players. I talked to a lot of people over the years, so have you, Petey. I have never heard one bad thing about Connor McDavid as a teammate, as a player, how he treats fans. He's a very quiet, he's a very reserved, very mature individual, but he is the face of the National Hockey League. And um, there's no better face to have right now. Sidney Crosby held that title for 10 years. Um, but now Connor McDavid has it, and uh, I'm pleased as a former hockey player to have a young man like him um, take the reins now. And I hope that uh, I hope that he can, you know, win win a Stanley Cup. That being said, I could say that about um, Nate McKinnon. What an incredible young man that guy is, and and what he does. So. You know, listen. I mean, there's. Uh, I don't. I'm you not feel sure. you feel the same way about Shane Wright. Yes, I do. Like Shane Shane Wright, for people that don't know, is the is the number one ranked uh, NHL draft prospect, and uh, I've had an opportunity to coach him in a tournament before. I've played against him in tournaments growing up. And uh, just have heard a lot of stuff about him in his uh, journey as a hockey player. And he is an incredible, incredible young man. I just read an article actually yesterday about the Montreal Canadiens because the, the draft combine is here in Buffalo. Those kids right now are on the bike right now, getting her done. And um, apparently the Montreal Canadiens took... Shane Wright out for dinner and had a meeting with him. And, you know, the, the word coming out of the meetings is Montreal is blown away. Compared to Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I've heard that's that someone said that congratulations on selecting the next Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Not even not, not nowhere near the same. Okay. I, all right. I'm not. I Who have, said that. I don't know. It, it was. It was right after the. So it, it. It was right after the draft lottery, and somebody with a blue check mark. I don't know who it was. Said congratulations yeah. on drafting the next Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Well, and I'm you know like, what? here I, I we think, go. You know. I, 
I think that's a shot. It was total. Obviously, that was a shot because you know, I mean, Nugent Hopkins is is good. Well, he's he's had a he's had a great NHL career. Had like, a good a, a good NHL career for a number one overall pick. A good, not great, but good. Okay. I I would I would think that you know when I I look at Ryan Nugent Hopkins and and what he's done throughout his career, I think uh, I think he's played very well. Okay, seven hundred seven hundred nineteen games in the league. He's got five hundred and twenty eight points. He's he's played well. Is he lived up to the number? Is that what Montreal Canadiens want? No. Um, listen, I mean, they're not getting a Connor McDavid. Okay, they're not getting an Austin Matthews. They're not going to get uh, you know a Steve Stamkos. They're going to get. Um, right now is 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 what I would see is a is a is a very poor man's uh, Patrice Bergeron that has the ability to, he is going to produce points in this league. Okay. You know what though? Here, here's what I want to say. What else is, what else is going to come out of that meeting? Uh, you think Montreal, who is not going to pass on them, they're not going to trade out of the spot. The draft is in Montreal. They have the number well, listen, one pick I mean, overall. They're drafting a kid from three and a half hours down the road in Kingston. So you're telling me that, all things coming out of that meeting was that it was not a good meeting and the Montreal Canadiens aren't going to draft him. What else are you going to get besides, besides he's a, he's a great kid anyway, from what I understand. So well, listen, I mean, I'm going to tell you Shane Wright has been the best 2004 hockey player on the planet for a very, very long time. Probably since about 2004 this, this last year, this last year, Shane Wright did not have his best year in the OHL. No, he okay. didn't. He had a terrible no, start. He did not. He did not have a good year. So he has dropped considerably in people's eyes where he was a he was the most unbelievable no-brainer first overall pick. Now he is not a no-brainer first overall pick. There is another kid from I think it's uh Czech Republic or Slovakia, Yari Slavakoslov. Yeah, he played in the Olympics this year. And he was a monster. He's he is big. a massive kid. He is, he has, he, he is not as refined as, as Shane Wright right now, but his upside is, is higher than Shane Wright. So the question is, does, do they want to pick a, a Shane Wright centerman, which is what you see is what you get right now. And he's going to be a very solid, um, upper echelon NHL player, or you're going to, or you can sign, or you can go after this. I think he's I think he's Czech. You'd have to you'd have to look him up, but there's another kid that's six foot four, two hundred and fifteen pounds that played in the Olympics this year that was absolutely incredible. He has crazy upside in the NHL. He's now listen, a- now listen. Shane Wright had a terrible start to the year. Okay. I can't remember, but I remember watching his stats and his and we had Craig Button on and we were talking about that and his and his season not having a good year. And he finished the season with 94 points in 63 games. And he had a bad start. Okay. So let's factor that one in. Now, that being said, um, I spoke to a scout, uh, a guy who scouts, we we know him like I don't know if you played with him or not, but I did. And he was on, he scouts for one of the teams that was had higher odds in uh, for the number one pick. Okay. This is what he said. If we get the number one pick, it's not a guarantee or it's not um, uh, unanimous in our draft room that Shane Wright is our pick. 100%. That's what I'm telling you right now. No, I, I, uh, I know that. I'm just, I'm, I'm, reconfirming what you're yeah. saying. Like yeah. I, I, I heard that a while ago and I, I wasn't going to say anything because I'm like, I'm like, that could be one of the dumbest things I think I've heard. And then all of a sudden I spoke to another guy and they're like, no, the consensus is not across the board. Shane, Wright At all. You're, you're bang on. You are absolutely bang on. And right now, what people, what people need to understand is there's, there's, there's two players. There's two players right now that can be picked, okay? And there's a third player that does not get a whole lot of discussion about him. His name's Logan Cooley, 
He's a national development kid. He's a wizard. He's a smaller, he's a smaller centerman. Um, you know, he's five, five eleven. I would say he's probably about 175 pounds. He's a wizard with the puck. He has more skill than probably anybody in the draft. Okay. He's gonna be he's ranked number three. So it's what you're looking for. Montreal, it has the, they hold all the cards. But if you're talking to me about trading down, let's just say that um, Montreal loves the idea of Logan Cooley, then why wouldn't you trade down you th- to number three? Do you think Montreal, and you played there, do you think Montreal would move down to take an American kid, then pick number one, and take the Canadian kid. Yes. Okay, good. That's because good to know. They, I'm happy. Montreal, I'm actually happy to hear you say that. I wouldn't I wouldn't have said that 20 years ago when I was okay. playing there. Okay. Because Montreal had their head so far up their ass that they would have moved down they, to pick a kid from the queue though. Exactly. That's the whole point. They would have picked kids from the freaking uh Quebec Major Junior League. But Montreal is getting it now. Montreal is understanding that you need to go and get the best players available. Okay. And when you're looking at the best players available, Shane Wright, it, you're getting Patrice Bergeron, uh, a clone of, of, of Patrice Bergeron. He's not going to be a Connor McDavid. Um, he's not going to be an Austin Matthews. He's not going to be a Jack Eichel. He's not going to be that style of player. He's going to be a very responsible two-way guy. He skates exceptionally well. He can make plays at a high level. He's going to be a power play guy, but he's also going to kill penalties. He's, an, he's a fantastic player. But we're talking about we're talking about the uh, the Slovak kid. The Slovak kid is six foot four, two hundred and twenty pounds at seventeen years old. He's gone up five minutes in the la- uh, five pounds in the last ten minutes. <laughs> I just I looked him up. He's two hundred and eighteen pounds, and that's okay. a central. That is a central scouting weighting uh, weight where it's you're not you know you're not putting down what you want to be right. Yeah. So yeah, he's yeah, he's, okay. he's, he's two hundred and twenty pounds. This kid. This kid is. This kid is eight. He's he just turned he just turned eighteen in March thirtieth. This kid is a man child maybe the sabers make a play for him trade all all three picks plus casey metalstad and go get this kid why not why not hey it's been a pleasure talking to you today started off a little rough not so much from the standpoint of the show but just you know your attitude toward everything but i mean you came around greg gotta say you came around Listen, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm not even gonna go there. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> You're just an idiot sometimes. But anyway, we get past that. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter after the whistle and at Craig Reve 52 at the instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.